Being a father is not the easiest job a man ever gets. And I'll tell you why. Because people are not things. If raising little humans was the same as fixing a stereo, working out a piece of code, nailing something together, or mowing a lawn, then dads would automatically crush it. But it is not linear. It is not mathematical. It is not you know, something that has a one, two, three manual next to it. People are not things. So in order to be a father, we have to grow in this crazy new thing that men really struggle at. We're not naturally very good at. We feel a little bit uncomfortable about it. If we're gonna grow as fathers, we have to improve in the arena of relationships. And let's be honest, when it comes to men and women, this is probably one of the most clearest differences is that men just really don't crush intimacy, connection, relationships. We're more like, if you're gonna talk heart to heart with me, do it alongside me. I would prefer that than looking at you because it makes me feel a lot less stressed out. You understand what I'm saying? Let's have a meaningful chat and a golf cart. Let's not do it across a cafe table. We find relationships difficult as men. In fact, it's interesting to note that when Jesus was here on this planet, that His disciples only ever asked Him to teach them about one thing. I mean, they were there and they observed a lot of stuff, but the only question where the disciples ever said to Jesus, could you teach us about this? They said to Jesus, could you teach us how to improve our relationships with God? That's literally what they said. They said, could you teach us how to pray? They're saying, we notice that you seem to have a relationship with God that is way better than ours. Could you teach us how to improve that? And in attempting to help these clueless males how to connect with the God of the universe, Jesus gave them what's known as the Lord's Prayer. And I know a lot of people in church on Father's Day that don't normally come to church. Well, here's a freebie for you. You might, not, you might even know this one from a movie or something. Now, the Lord's Prayer begins with the words, if you know it, can you say them out loud with me? Our Father. And then depending on the translation, it gets a bit mucky after that. But the most commonly known one is like, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And, and in giving us the first two words of that prayer, Jesus blew the disciples' minds. He said, when you pray, He didn't say, I'm, I'm asking you to say our God. He didn't say, when you pray, begin with our deity. He didn't say by, when you pray, start with our omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, divine creator of the universe who sits on the throne of all eternity. He said, when you pray, begin with these two really familiar, really simple, almost downgrading the power of God words. He said, begin with our Father. Wow. Why? Because in giving us the first two words of the Lord's Prayer, we learn so much about the heartbeat of God. And the heartbeat of God is relational. God is relational. Now, if you've been around church before at some period of your life, depending on the experiences you've had, you might think of God as being impersonal, austere, removed, harsh, judgmental. Well, imagine your surprise that when God wants to anchor His personality, He says, I am a Father. He says, I am personal. I am watching. I'm engaged. I actually care about stuff. 
I'm involved, I'm knowable, I'm present, I'm there. I am the world's best dad. That's a cool thing. If the Bible actually reinforces anything, team, it reinforces that God is relational. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, the Bible talks, in fact, it's Jesus speaking, it's in speech marks, and it says, if anyone, in fact, chuck it up on the screen, guys, it says, look, I stand at the door and I knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. How crazy is that? God's saying, if you would open up your heart to me, your life to me, then I would literally, we would become fridge friends. Maybe you've never heard that phrase before, but I rank friendships. You know, like you have, you have the like, see in the corridor, don't want to talk to you in my house, friend. You know what I'm saying? Then you have like, come to my house, but for a scheduled time, friend. And then the ultimate friend is the fridge friend. You know what I'm saying? Like you walk through the door of that house, go straight through, don't even have to greet people, open the door and like, what are we eating today? And Jesus is saying, literally, if you would open up your life to me, you would discover that you could be my fridge friend. I care about you, I wanna know you, I wanna relate to you. In fact, the first ever observation that God ever made about people, the first thing God said about humanity when He created them is found in the book of Genesis and in the second chapter, verse 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. God literally, the first piece of commentary God made about humanity was to say, if He doesn't have His relationships in order, He's really a messed up individual. He's saying that if we're gonna have the life He wants for us, we need relationships. Why? Because the quality of our lives is going to be seen in direct proportion to the quality of our relationships. I wanna say it again. The quality of our lives will be in direct proportion to the quality of our relationships. You are actually not gonna be happier just because you have more money. You are not going to be happier if you have another 10 hours of sleep and dysfunctional friendships. You won't be. When we have healthy relationships, it is the number one thing that is going to improve the quality of our lives. Granted, sometimes a little more sleep would make me feel like I'm happier, but the quality of my life is gonna come back to the quality of my relationships. Proverbs 18.1, the Bible says, a man who isolates himself is not wise, or sorry, seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. Again, the Bible is teaching us that if we don't have relationships, our lives are in an unhealthy place. It's just not smart to have accomplishment, to-do lists, to have things you're aspiring to get done if you don't have your relationships healthy and in order. The Bible is encouraging us from beginning to end about this incredible importance. In fact, did you know the last verse of the Old Testament is about relationships? Malachi chapter four, verse six is the last verse in the Old Testament and it, it's a prophecy about Jesus and this is what it says. He, Jesus, will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to the fathers or else I will come and I will strike the lamb with the curse. God is not soft, like he's loving, he's kind, but if he needs to call a spade, he calls it. And the Bible is not saying that when, the, when God says, I'm gonna bring a curse, you gotta understand, he is trying to explain to us a reality that exists in the vacuum of our obedience to his commands. So the Bible is saying when 
Fathers don't have a heart for their children. When, children don't, when relationships aren't working, that's a terrible place to be. And anybody who's ever been in an environment of conflict, anybody here, I'm sure a lot of people here come from family backgrounds where it's just hatred and animosity and bitterness. And you would just say, that's a cursed environment. That is not peaceable, loving, kind. This is not what God wants. Isn't it amazing to see that all through the Bible, the Bible is talking about relationships. God is primarily concerned more than anything else in our lives about the quality of our relationships. It's an overwhelming emphasis of the Bible. It is of greatest importance to God. And as much as God knows that, so does the devil. So we live in a world where relationships are not always awesome. Can I get a little acknowledgement out there? I mean, we live in a world where relationships get fractured, where marriages come to an end, where friends end up unfriending, you know. We have conscious uncouplings. We have, we have all kinds of things. We have people with difficulties. We're, we learn it pretty much from the time that we're children and groups form in the playground. And we don't always have healthy relationships. And we've got to understand that God's plan is that we would that we would first have a great relationship with Him and that we would have meaningful relationships with others. But the devil is trying to work against that. So he's sowing unforgiveness. He's sowing resentment. He's sowing bitterness. That's into our human relationships. Then he's trying to tell people there is no God. God is unknowable. God hates you. So that we will have distant relationships from God and people. And the devil's whole plan, you've got to understand this, the devil gets out of bed every day with two primary goals in mind. Number one, so that you will not have an intimate relationship with God. And so that you will not have a meaningful relationship with other people. The devil's success is measured by the degree to which he can isolate us from meaningful relationships with God and other people. Please leave that up there. The devil's success is measured by the degree to which he can isolate us from meaningful relationships with God and other people. What is utopia? What is an ideal world? Answer, an intimate relationship with God and meaningful relationships with other people. Now we live in a world team that is increasingly in danger of becoming an isolated world. Is this not true? I mean, honestly, the, 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 the changes that are coming in our society, I mean, there's so much good. I'm not, but if I can just hark on the challenges for a second. I mean, we travel more than we've ever done. We immigrate more than we've ever done. We work shift work like we've never done before. It never stops. So the natural rhythm of relationships and the longevity of relationships gets broken. Then we can be in relational spaces but instead of being with others, we're with this. We're looking at devices. In the last few months, I've been on public transport in four different nations, and every time I was on any form of public transport, there was zero talk. Everybody was doing that. The cure for my ache, the healing for my soul, the intimacy that I so desperately need will never be found here yet it is increasingly becoming the occupier of our time. And with the changes in our culture, this becomes a real challenge for us because we are needing in our lives 
intimate relationships for us to have the life that we so desperately need. You can have a thousand Facebook friends, but have no one who will turn up for you in tough times. You can have all the endless stream of selfies you want and no one who knows the real you. And at the end of the day, we know as humans, I don't even have to preach it in this auditorium and and, in every space where people are hearing this, you automatically know that just because someone likes your photo, it doesn't mean that you have meaningful relationships. It doesn't. And we've got a trap because the quality of our lives is not going to be found in what widgets I possess, in the, in the balance of my bank account, in the accomplishments that I've got, in the fame that I so desperately crave. My quality of my life is gonna be directly related to my relationships more than to anything else. 90% of people who leave their jobs do so because they don't like their direct manager. Not the boss of the company, but the person who they closely work with Monday to Friday. 90% of everybody who leaves a job is gonna leave, why? Because of a relationship. People are voting with their feet that they would rather have an enjoyable relationship than a guaranteed payment next fortnight. We intrinsically know that relationships are the key to life. At the end of our life, nobody hearing this talk is going to say, I wish I'd accomplished more, been more places. I wish I had a larger fellowship on social media. You are gonna say, how close, how connected are the most intimate relationships in my life? And this is important because if that is true, then don't just hear it in a talk on a Sunday morning and forget about it by Sunday afternoon and return to the same rhythm of life. We need to realize that at the end of the day, what is going to matter the most about the life we live is our relationships and then build our lives according to that. Somebody say, yeah, out there. This is not easy for us because we've been bombarded by messages every day that are encouraging us to go a different way. I mean, you really have to be intentional about it. Because otherwise you're gonna be, you know, pressured. You're gonna wake up tomorrow morning, you're gonna be like, achieve more, pursue what's best for you, walk away from what is uncomfortable. We are never, ever getting back together. You're gonna talk to your friends, talk to my friends. Yeah, love it, love it. I don't know about you, but is it just, is it just me? Or is it like 70% of songs are about the relationship ending? And, and I guess that's because it's the most common rhythm of our lives. And we're trying to work our way through it. Whereas I want to tell you, God's got a greater plan than that. The loneliest place in all the world to be would be amongst thousands of people with no intimate connections. The worst success you could ever achieve would be to get the accolade you so desperately crave and have nobody to celebrate with. What is going to make the greatest difference in life is relationships. And if this is true, which it is, and if the Bible teaches, which it does, then it should be no surprise to us to discover that Jesus actually said everything you need to know about what God's plan for you is in your life can be reduced down to 10 words or less. Did you know that? Jesus actually said that you could take everything God wants you to know Everything God wants you to focus on in your life and you could explain it in 10 words or less. 
Jesus said the entire law and the prophets. Now, if you're new to church, that literally means the Old Testament. The Bible has two testaments. So everything from the book of Genesis to the book of Malachi can be summarized in these statements. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it, Jesus said, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So Jesus said, everything you need to know about what God wants you to focus on, what God's desire for you in your life is, can be summarized in actually four words, not 10, love God and love people. That is at the very heartbeat of everything God wants for us to focus on in our lives. Why? Because it is going to decide the most about the life that we live. He said, firstly, you need to love God. Friend, the Bible doesn't say that you need to firstly fear God and therefore obey Him. Let me explain to you how this works. God's saying, man, the number one thing in your life you need is you need to love God. You need a relationship with God and you need to love God. Now listen, my wife is actually in South Africa right now. She's about to fall asleep. Oh no, she'll be asleep by now, it's 11 a.m. And she is uh, asleep in Cape Town. But you know, even though she might be in Cape Town, the image of her, the thought of her, the, the dream of her is literally just in my heart all the time because I love my wife. Now because I love my wife, I don't wanna stuff it up with my wife. So I have an apprehension, I have a fear that is attached to my relationship with her. John, don't stuff this thing up, right? But the love comes first and the apprehension comes second. God is saying, God is not up there in heaven saying, fear me. God is up there in heaven saying, love me. Because if you could discover the love of God in increasing ways in your life, then sure, you are gonna live in a life that is increasingly obedient to His commandments. Because you're gonna be saying, John, don't stuff this thing up. But you're also going to be getting something else. When you have a love relationship with God, it opens your heart to have a connection with Him, to have what we describe as a relationship with God. Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. In fact, what ruins Christianity is people who profess it but have no relationship. When you have a genuine relationship with God, my friend, something amazing happens. What happens, John? You start getting something from God that you actually can't get from other people. Let, let me put it to you this way. What God is, He'll never run out of. What you manufacture in your life, you will never lack. What are you saying? I'm saying that we try to be loved and we want to be loving. But God is not waiting for us to be loved and He's not wanting us to be loved. God is love. And what He is, He never runs out of. If I come to Jillian seeking to get the love that I need, I will never be the husband she deserves. But if I can get the love I need from God, if I can get the affirmation I need from God, that's why God is your Father. He's not judgmental, He's not harsh. Your perfect Father is the one who picks you up when you're broken, who speaks promise into your life when you've failed, who tells you that you're brilliant even when you feel like you don't deserve that, 
who sees in you what nobody else does and who fills your heart with a sense of assurance. You are loved no matter how much life is broken, no matter what's going on. There is someone in your life who cares intrinsically about you and that's Him. And when we get the love we need from God, that then helps us to have the kind of love we need for the people that are around us. That's why Jesus said, man, here it is. You gotta love God. You gotta love your neighbor as you love yourself because it is only when the first one works that the second one works. Am I making sense to anybody today? When we have a deepening relationship with God, we will also have deepening relationships with the people around us. It is impossible to genuinely be growing in your relationship with God and to experience increasing distance in your human relationships. If that is the true, your relationship with God is broken. So God doesn't relate to us to get. God relates to us to give. That's the truth, isn't it? We live in a transactional world that's all about what do I get out of it? And God is not transactional. God is relational. He's not in it for what He gets. He's in it out of love for what He gives. That's amazing. And when we think about it, friends, our relationships work when God is in His rightful place because when God is in His rightful place, we're not transactional, but we become relational. Let me give you the five top reasons why relationships break down in our culture today. Here they are. Number one, let's think about this. Love God, love people. Not transactional, relational, okay? Here's number one. The first reason why relationships fall apart in our culture is an unwillingness to work through conflict. We just won't do the work to fix what isn't working. So we unfriend, we consciously uncouple, we walk away, we find a new environment, we can't hold it together, all right? Now here's the thing, friends, every human relationship is going to have something go wrong with it. <laughs> just, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but only one perfect in the world is God. And everybody else is gonna disappoint you, hurt you, no one's gonna live up to your expectations of them. It is not going to work. And relationships are going to fall apart if we don't take that lack of success and work through it. An unwillingness to work through conflict is going to be our biggest challenge. So here's the thing. What did God do when we had a conflict with Him? When there was a distance between humanity and God and our sin had created a divide, what did God do? Well, the Bible tells us that God sent His Son, Jesus, and that Jesus died upon the cross for the sin of the world so that every wrong in my life could be forgiven, so that the way back to God could be made possible again, so that my own sin didn't take me to hell, but so that I could have the welcome love of an eternal Father back in my life again. And if that's what God does, and that's what we experience, that even though I've failed God and disappointed God, listen, friends, often the greatest moment in my life is when I fail God on a Tuesday and I feel His affirmation on a Wednesday. When you live beneath His promise in one moment of your life and He's affirming His concern for you in the very next breath, he is the only one in all the world who can walk with us through our own folly and embrace our potential at the same time. 
And when we discover the amazing grace and the love of God, it helps us with every conflict we experience in our relationships here on earth. Here's the second one, selfishness. I actually toned this one down. The second most common reason for relationships ending in the year 2019 is actually narcissism. It's a really big word, but it basically means I care about me, myself, and I, and I don't actually care about you. Now, this is another one that is amazingly reversed. Let me just say this, all the young people out there, I wanna just give you a note of caution. Just because it's selfie, it doesn't make it godly. Hello? Just because we all like to get the right angle, and here is my stream, and when I scroll through it, it's all actually photos of me. It doesn't mean that God's up there going, brilliant, love your feed. You can get the affirmation of the crowd, it doesn't mean you get the applause of heaven. And friends, we just gotta remember, if you're living, no, no, get out of the shot. You're not, no, come on, I mean, oh, you're famous, you get in the shot. No, 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 that's not the way God thinks. And if we are gonna think increasingly selfishly as a culture, then we're gonna walk in the pain of that. I, I really don't have time to preach that home again. I've got to move on, but we've got a whole series. We'll come back to it. Okay, all right, come on. You're going to, it's all right, keep going. The challenge, friends, is that the greatest expressions in our culture happen when self is more important than others. This is what leads us to all of the greatest hurts in humanity is when I am more important than you. And the greatest acts of love and of good in our world happen when others are placed ahead of self. And that's again why the cross echoes as the greatest expression of what relationships are all about. When Jesus had done no sin, yet He chose to die in my place for every wrong I'd ever done, unselfish love brought love to me. And friends, when we can understand the un... If you want your life to be better, then don't get out of bed tomorrow and say, how can I have a better life? If you want a better life, get out of bed tomorrow and think to yourself, how can I make somebody else's life better? How can I be more giving to those that are around me? And you'll find relationships will get better. Joy levels are gonna increase. There are far too many people chasing things that the moment they get them, they'll find themselves as empty as they were the day before they got them. But if we could tap into God's plan and live for others and make our lives about that, well, now we've got a different ball game. Number three, here's our third one. I gotta move super quick. The third one is un unforgiveness and bitterness. We hang on to stuff. <laughs> I mean, I've counseled marriages for 27 years. I, don't, I know I don't look, it's my youthful good looks, but I paused, I actually paused then so that you could, that is, that, is, that is how real age is getting for me. Yeah, I am looking at my friends on the front row. Thank you, God, love you guys. But I, I've worked with couples for a long time and it is amazing to me how you can sit down with people who've been together for a decade or more and they're harking back to something that happened in year one of their relationship, year two of their relationship. You have got no shot at keeping relationships together if you can't find a way to take yesterday's issues and leave them. And you know the amazing thing about God, guys? Here's the most amazing thing about God. God has no memory lack. <laughs> I do. I actually find it easy to move on from offenses for one great reason, and that is that I forget so much stuff. <laughs> Jillian would be like, why are you being so nice to them? Don't you remember what they did to you three years ago? And I'm like, oh, I totally forgot. And I just honestly, 
I just forget. It's like you could see me six months later and we're meeting for the first time. It's awesome. But the truth is, friends, that God actually is not memory deficient. God can remember every wrong I've ever done, every sin I've ever committed, every time I've disappointed His heart. Yet the moment I ask God for forgiveness, the Bible says He takes my sin and He throws it away as far as the east is from the west into the sea of His forgetfulness. God actually doesn't just forgive, He forgets. And because he forgets, he, he, that's why he embraces us afresh is because he's not actually holding yesterday's failures over me when he's declaring today's promises in my life. And if we want our relationships to be better, we need to experience that kind of embrace and love so that we can go, I'm not judging you, sweetheart, because you didn't put down the toilet seat for the first year of our relationship. And now I view you as this person who can't bring closure to any action. They're like, you can move on from stuff, release stuff. People can change, lives can get better. I believe it. Lack of trust is the fourth reason why relationships end. Because people are unreliable, possessive, not faithful emotionally or physically, emotional manipulation. A lack of trust is created. And then we tend to treat other people like we can't ever really embrace them, can't ever really trust them. I doubt you from the start. And then we come to God. <laughs> and God just doesn't, if there's anybody who should not trust me, it's God. Because <laughs> He knows every thought of my head. He knows, he knows everything I've ever done when no one else is looking. And yet God just, he trusts us. We're a very, very cynical and pessimistic age. And there's a fine line, isn't there, between being able to live stream every waking moment of our heroes and seeing what life is really like and not just joining the cynical masses who actually are holding back on them, of themselves from every person in the world. I'm not saying we should hide the lives of our heroes, but I'm also saying that we should not become cynical people either. And that's why we need God. Number five, uh, Ben can come and join me actually. Here's the fifth reason why relationships fall apart. It's really tragic. It's because we grow apart. Personally, I really want to challenge even the sentiment of that. But we just, we just grew apart. As a worshiper of Jesus, the most amazing thing happened to me when I first ever opened up my life and found a personal relationship with Jesus. I was living at that time, 18 years old, I was living at that time in my parents' home. And I had a, a, a bedroom that had a ranch lighter, a little deck, and then there was the green grass and a couple of trees and a big hedgerow. And I gave my life to Jesus in a six o'clock church service on a Sunday night, May the 12th. I woke up Monday morning, May the 13th, and I pulled open the curtains. And you know how when you, get a, you click a photo on your phone and you can press that button, Lux, <laughs> and suddenly every green is greener, every blue is crisper, like everything just goes to another level, you know what I mean? 
it was like somebody had luxed my life. It was like, I don't know, simple things filled me with joy. Things I'd always seen, same tree, same sky, same hedge. But there was, there was wonder in it. There was wonder in it because God was in it. And when we drift from God, we drift from wonder. We call it growing apart. We, if, you would, if, you're in, if you know anybody for eight years, you're, you're growing away from them, naturally, because you'll become aware of every fault, every failing, everything that you didn't know when you first were filled with the idea of them. When you find God, you don't need a new neighborhood. You don't need a new spouse. You don't need a new car. You don't need a new pair of shoes for your life to be filled with wonder. The giver of wonder is God. Wonder is being marketed to you by every media agency on earth. They'd love to sell you wonder, but it's not for sale. God is the author of wonder. Billy Graham was once asked, what would you do if you woke up tomorrow morning and you were out of love with your wife? Would you divorce her? Would you walk away because you've grown apart? And Billy Graham said, if I wake up tomorrow morning and I'm out of love with my, my wife, I'm gonna get out of bed for one reason, and that's to get on my knees. And I'm not gonna get up from my knees until I am in love with her again. The most amazing thing about God is that God can fill us. I'm just, this whole message is just to say one thing. God is, if you, we want, Colossians 1.17 says that in Him all things hold together. Love God, love people. You can't separate them. But if you were to try and prioritize it, love God so that you can love people. What's wrong with relationships is that we're coming to God hoping that we can get something because we are a selfish transactional world. And God's saying, don't come to me to get something. Come to me to get someone. Get God in your life and then relate to other people in your world. Love God and love people. All over every campus today, I just want you to understand something. The greatest thing in your life that's gonna make you feel happy when you die is the quality of your relationships. And the number one person in all of the world concerned with the state of your relationships is the God that we worship. So come on, all over every campus, let's stand our feet together today. Anybody, has that been helpful for everyone? We're gonna come back next week. We've got another part to this message. I also wanna invite everybody in every campus that if you wanna improve the relationships in your life, make sure that you are part of a life group. What's an, a quick action point? I need some other people that get to know me well if my life is gonna be what God wants it to be. But let's pray together, then we're gonna end. Happy Father's Day, everyone. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that You would bless every person. Lord, Lord that You would move in our hearts. 
somebody out there has just got an ache in their heart because some relationship is broken. Lord, someone's nursing some real feelings of oh, just wishing that things would be different. And God, I believe that You can make a way even when there is no way. And I believe that You can be the one who fills the void in our life when things are broken. So come Holy Spirit in every life, in Jesus' mighty Name, Amen.